Hey, everybody. How how you doing? Welcome to June. Good to see you guys. Hey, uh, welcome to uh, the month of June. We're going to be talking about practice. Everybody say practice. Practice. All right. Nod your head if you know this monologue. Practice. We're talking about practice. Not a game. Not a game. Practice. I'm supposed to be the leader out here. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about. If you don't, it's okay. Um, Here's the reality. Here's why we're talking about practice, okay? Do you know that it is okay for you to not be an expert at following Jesus yet? Do you know that Jesus expects you right now to sort of stink at following him? We are, everybody understands the idea of practice. Raise your hand if you play an instrument. If you ever have played an instrument, like I'm talking middle school band and stuff too, okay, these count. Okay, let me tell you one of the most humiliating experiences of my life, okay? Seventh grade, I think it was, I gotta take band. So I go over to Music Maker over in Easley, South Carolina, and I'm renting a trumpet, okay? I gotta rent a trumpet for the year. They're showing me how I gotta clean this thing and all this sort of stuff. And I was, I'm, I have, everything that I do in my life, I pick it up quickly. I'm not great at anything, but I'm pretty good at almost everything I've done. Trumpet was not like that at all. Like it was so bad at first trying to figure out how do you make noise out of this thing and not sound like a goober. All of us understand when you start learning something, you stink at it. It takes practice. Okay, I saw some guys earlier working on a car. When you first try to figure out how a car works, you can take it apart and destroy it and make it not work anymore if you don't know what you're doing. Why? It takes practice. Anybody in here that plays a sport at a level that's like competitive in any way, you have to spend a lot of your time practicing. If you ever want to get to a level that's like actually fun, you have to practice. All of us understand practice. But when it comes to our Christian faith, so often we just assume we're supposed to get saved and then be good at it. And we put this pressure on ourselves to to be like a professional Christian day one or week one or year one. And it's silly. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Christian church in Philippi to these young Philippian believers. He writes this. What you've learned and received, this is Philippians chapter four, verse nine, and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. There are some things in the Christian life that have to be practiced They take practice. It takes practice over and over and over again for us to get better at some of these things. And so we are going to, for the next few weeks, we're gonna talk about these spiritual practices under the umbrella of a series called Start Somewhere because you've got to start somewhere. In fact, write this down. If you need like a tagline to kind of help you understand where we're coming after this series, this is this. In order to arrive anywhere, you gotta start somewhere. You gotta start somewhere. If you sit in your fuse group every week and you have no idea how to understand and talk about Bible verses, it doesn't do you any good to pretend like you do. Just start picking up your Bible and trying to figure out how to read it. If you've got things in your life that you're not good at, that you wanna get better at, playing and pretending like you already know how to do them is pretty much the only way to guarantee you'll never actually learn how to do them, right? If you're gonna get anywhere, you gotta start somewhere. So following Jesus takes practice. It takes practice. So here's what I wanna do. I wanna go ahead and make this abundantly clear to everybody who comes to Fuse. Whether you're like a Fuse veteran, you've been here forever, or whether you're like brand new to the game. When you walk through the doors of the building where we have Fuse, I want you to feel the pressure fall off your shoulders. There are no requirements for you to be great at following Jesus in here. There's no judgment. There's no, none of us are the judge anyway, right? If you read the Bible, none of us are the judge. We're all kind of helping each other get to the point where, you know. So here's the deal. 
We've all got to commit, though, to practicing, to following Jesus being a set of practices that we're all going to do, and it's going to help us get better. So we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week. But tonight, tonight we're going to talk about the spiritual practice of hospitality. Hospitality. Interesting. Why are we talking about hospitality? Well, let me show you the definition of hospitality if you don't know what I'm talking about. Hospitality, according to Webster, is the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of guests, visitors, and strangers. I know what you're thinking. What in the world does this have to do with following Jesus? What does being hospitable and welcoming people in and being friendly to them and making space for them, what does that have to do with following Jesus? And the answer is it has a ton to do with it. I'm gonna show you this in the scriptures, but before I do that, I wanna tell you why explicitly we're talking about this this week. Next week, on all of our campuses, we're gonna have a slew of new faces at Fuse. Do you wanna know why? Because we're welcoming our new sixth grade students that are finishing up Kid Spring, they're stepping into Fuse. Here in Anderson, you will have new eighth grade students coming up into high school Fuse. So why is this important? Because the Bible, and I'm gonna try to make a case for it here by showing you some Bible verses here in a second, makes the command, not the encouragement, not the suggestion, but the command of us, those who follow Jesus, to be hospitable to new people. And we are gonna get a very practical opportunity to welcome in a whole new class of people next week. All right, so how do we get the understanding that hospitality matters in the Christian faith? Well, Paul writes a letter to young Titus and he talks about this. Any of you, so there's, there's people in here, let me just give you the breakdown of kind of how you haven't seen it play out. I've seen it play out a little bit. Here's what's gonna happen. In this room tonight, whatever room that you're in, some of the people sitting in here as they grow and develop in their Christian faith, they will develop this burden and this calling from God to be a leader in the church, okay? This means they will develop, God will place on them that they are to rise and step into oversight over Christians, over the faith, over practice, okay? So Paul is writing a letter to young Titus and he's saying, when you find people who are called and burdened by God to lead, here's the qualifications for them. Here's how you pick them out, okay? Titus chapter one, verse seven, for an overseer as God's steward, a leader, they must be above reproach. Okay, this is just, this, these are some good qualifications. He must not be arrogant, not quick-tempered, not a drunkard, not violent, not greedy for gain, but he must be what? She must be what? Hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. I find it fascinating that the apostle Paul writes a letter to young Titus and he tells him, do not let anybody be a leader in church if they can't make room in their life for new people. That's fascinating, right? That's, where, where would he get this idea? I'm gonna show you this. Peter was another disciple of Jesus who ended up being a big time leader in the church. And here's what he writes in his letter, 1 Peter chapter four. Above all, above everything, keep loving one another earnestly. Since love does what? Love covers a whole multitude of sins. So show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each one has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Now, I'm gonna give you a really big thought here, but I think you can handle it, okay? In human history, there was a period called the Enlightenment. 
Does everybody know what the Enlightenment was, or at least you've heard of it, at least you can pretend? Okay, it's okay if you haven't. Maybe you haven't gotten there yet. You will get there, and even when you get there, you'll probably forget it anyway, because it's sort of boring. But there's one sort of interesting thing to it, okay? During the Enlightenment, there was a whole lot of things that were changing about culture. Previously, culture was very basic, very simple. It was Um, There were not developed worlds, developed countries, developed governments, developed economic systems. It was all fairly simple. But the Enlightenment brings philosophy and the study of the mind and the study of thought patterns. It brings all of that into culture, culture 700 years ago. Here's one of the challenges that the Enlightenment brought into Christian faith. It convinced believers and followers of Jesus that the way they thought about God was the only thing that mattered. What they actually did with their life wasn't so important. It built, it put a difference out that I can have all of the right thoughts, the right theology, the right understanding, I can get the right knowledge about God, and my life and the way that I live actually doesn't matter. And this is one of the greatest tragedies in the history of the church because it created for us a pattern of thinking and approaching life that says, as long as I can give the right answers, I'm good. And the Bible is clear that that is not the case. So what you and I have got to do is we've got to, we've got to make the habit of coming to the Bible and going, okay, if there's something in here that Jesus taught and it confronts me, I don't need to assume that it's wrong. I maybe need to assume that I'm the one that needs to change, right? So when it comes to hospitality, let me make this, let me make this just incredibly practical, okay? It's, I find it very ironic that I'm the one teaching you about hospitality. I'm one of the least hospitable people you ever meet in your life. Everything in the Bible about hospitality is convicting to me. And I have to work on it consistently because I actually believe that God has called me to have some sort of oversight in the Christian church. And in some place, if I don't work on that and overcome these weaknesses, I'm going to be disqualified from being able to be a leader. Here's what I don't like about hospitality. I don't want you to interrupt my day. I have plans for my day. I have plans for my free time. Whenever my paycheck hits my bank account every month, I have plans for exactly how I'm going to spend every dollar in there. I have a budget. I've had a budget since I was 16 years old working at Skins Hot Dog right down the road. I know exactly what I'm going to do with my money. I know exactly what I'm doing with my day. I know exactly where the stuff in my house goes. I know everything about my truck and where things belong because they're mine and it's my life and it's my way. As a matter of fact, as I'm saying this, I'm realizing I actually may be the worst at hospitality than I am at anything else about practicing Christianity. So I'm going to stop talking. Somebody else is going to come up here and finish this message. I have no reason to be telling any of you about any of this. I love me. I love my stuff. I love my life. I love my things. I love my money. I love my children. I love my family. I love, it's mine, right? I love my energy. I have intentions and ways I want to use my energy. I have dreams, I have visions, I have goals about things I wanna do because they're mine and I wanna use them. And this is a real big problem when we as believers have to set an example for people in how to make room for interruptions. It is a deep spiritual practice for you to make room in your life for God to interrupt your plans. It is a big sign of maturity for you to have a plan with what you intend to do with your life and for you to bring that to God and say, it is okay if you change this. As a matter of fact, if you don't ever practice coming to God with your goals, with your future, with your relationships, with the way that you intend to do things and go, God, is this okay 
Do you have anything you'd like to do differently about this? I would argue that you're probably not practicing hospitality with anybody else because you haven't even made room for God. And we've got to make room. So where would we get this crazy idea? Okay, and I'm gonna read this to you and then we're gonna get extremely practical about what this looks like in your life right now. Because this is one of those things that if you don't start thinking about this now and making small ways for you to make space for this now, you will blink and you will be 30 years old and be horrible at this because you never gave any time for this. Okay, Jesus, I'm about to read you Jesus, okay? Matthew chapter 25, and we can play the keys. We got just a few minutes left. I'm gonna read you this verse of scripture. Please, if you've checked out the rest of the time, it's totally fine because half the stuff was probably wrong anyway. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25. These words are staggering, okay? This is Jesus talking to his followers about some really important stuff. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34, he says this. He's telling the story and then he says, Then the king, talking about his father, will say to those on his right, come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit this kingdom that's been prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Because I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked. This is Jesus. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? When did we see that you were a stranger and welcomed you in or naked and clothed you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, As you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Here's what Jesus is saying. What you do to make room for people who have needs in your life, you are doing to Jesus Christ himself. Jesus is saying, you are welcoming me in when you welcome strangers in. That means this, very practically, you ready for this? There is something wildly sacred about somebody new who sits at your lunch table and feels like they belong there because you made space for them. That means that lunch, the next time you go back to school, whenever that is, you might be out, you might be still in. The next time you go to school and you're standing in the hallway and somebody looks like they don't have anybody to talk to and they find a place to talk in you, that means that you have just been a place where heaven and earth came together. We talk about the kingdom of God, right? As though it's this this huge, ethereal masterpiece somewhere out that that, that just requires experts of building. And God is in, in Jesus teaching us, no, no, no. When you reach out to meet the needs of people around you, that's where I am. It's fascinating, right? This means that your lunch table, that your fuse group, okay, how many of us, don't raise your hand because we'd all just have to be embarrassed. How many of us have been with the same fuse group for years and somebody new tries to come in and sit down and talk about it and they feel like they just can't belong because we've been together for too long, we got too many inside jokes and stuff, you don't belong here. It's hard for us. Look, I'm 30 and I have a home group full of adults now. A home group is basically just a fuse group when you get too old to be a fuse group anymore, all right? And new people all the time are saying, I want somewhere that I can study the Bible with people and I want somewhere where I can share my life and do all these things. You know what I have to do even today? I have to go, oh, but I don't want you to be here. I have to deal with that. I don't want you in my home. I don't want you eating my ice cream. It's my ice cream. That's so stupid, but that's exactly how it feels, right? It's not, it's not more complicated than that. Some of you have pools this summer. 
And the way that you allow people that you might not think are that cool, that you really don't wanna spend time with to come swim at your pool might be the way that they enter into the kingdom of God. Some of you might text back that person who's just clingy and desperate and doesn't have any friends and they drive you crazy and you might say, yeah, you know what? We're going to cookout tonight. You can come hang out. And that might be the way that they enter into the kingdom of heaven. I'm not talking about the conduct of anybody outside of the church. I don't care about them. I do care about them, but I don't care about trying to fix the way that they live. I care about us. I care about me. I care about you. I care about those of us who say, Jesus is Lord, and I've given him the keys to my life. I've given him everything that I have. When he explicitly says, okay, then, if you have extra and somebody needs something and you say no to them, you've disobeyed me. Like, it's not more complicated than that, you guys. We, Christians, we've made it more complicated because we want to remove the conviction that we should feel from God. Jesus says, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you put clothes on me. And they're like, when were, we didn't ever see you naked. You were never hungry, it was fine. He goes, anytime you did that to somebody who had need, you did it to me. And Jesus says, okay, because of that, come on into the kingdom, inherit this kingdom that my father has prepared for you. And so here's what I wanna do. We got two minutes left. Very practically, Okay, this is not the case here in Anderson because this is a high school only room and I get that, but everybody else watching this next week, you will have brand new sixth graders at Fuse with you. They will be 11 years old, this tall, and they will look like they have no idea what's going on. Make them feel like Fuse is the best place for them. Welcome them in. There are new people here tonight on every campus. I would bet you that there's somebody who's here for the first time. Find them, make them feel like they belong here. This does not become something that we're good at unless we practice it, okay? So during Fuse Group tonight, and listen, I'm gonna say it over and over and over again anytime I get up here and get a chance to preach. The preaching is fine at Fuse. It's fine. The worship is better than fine. It's very good most of the time. The relationships that you develop with the people around you, the setting that you learn to practice your Christian faith in will be the determining factor as to whether or not you're a Christian in 20, 30 years. Your thoughts about God are important. The life that you live in community with other people, the, the, the group, the friendships that you have where you're practicing things in front of others, that will be the deciding factor as to whether or not in 10, 15, 20 years you're still walking with Christ. It will. So please, if you're not in a group, I know some of you are so awkward socially, it's embarrassing for all of us. We get it. We know some of you don't like talking to people and it's weird for us when you try to talk to us too. We get it. We can overcome that together. All right, some of you who are socially so good at talking to everyone, it seems like you'd have a conversation with the wall for 20 minutes, overcome some of that and welcome people into your group. Get people into your life, okay? So we're gonna sing here in Anderson. A lot of campuses, we're gonna go straight to groups. I'm asking you, please, during group time tonight, will you ask the Holy Spirit, number one, is there anything in my life that I haven't made room for you in? Are you in a relationship that if you stopped and asked God for five seconds, he would have something to say about it? Have you made room for God, for the Holy Spirit to have a say in your life? And number two, where can you practice very real hospitality this summer? Summer's a great time because you know what else you got to do? Absolutely nothing. And don't try to convince me your six hour a week job at McDonald's is keeping you too busy to do anything else. It ain't. We've all been there before. All right? Why don't you stand to your feet every campus? Let me pray for you. 
Hey, come on, listen to me. As we're praying, I want you to think about this. What if God intended to bring people to Christ this summer, but he wasn't gonna do it at Fuse, he was gonna do it at your pool? Or he was gonna do it at cookout with your friend group, or he was gonna do it in the parking lot when you just meet up in the parking lot to hang out. I have no idea why people do that, but people do that. So make space. Come on, let's be people that make room to welcome in strangers and welcome in visitors and welcome in new people into the family of God. Let's be a, a diverse group, right? Where anyone who wants to come to Christ, anyone who wants to come into this family of God through faith in Christ is welcome. All right, let's pray. We bow your head. And will you right there ask God over these next few minutes to speak to you? Don't let, me, don't let me talk you in or out of anything. God wants to talk to you. Let him give you advice tonight. Where is it in terms of hospitality that you need growth? You need to be stretched. You need the Holy Spirit to press you on something. You need, you need God in Christ to come and convict you and encourage you and move you into a place where you're welcoming people into your life. God, you, we are rich. We are in America, in the South. We are rich, and most of us have way too much stuff, way too much time, way too much all these things by ourselves, and we are fine with that. We're thankful for the blessings, but God, we understand you are calling us to be people that share. You're calling us to be people that are generous with our time, generous with our space, hospitable and welcoming with new people who don't understand our ways and don't understand our culture and don't understand our things. And God, we don't want our thing more than we want your thing. So will you bring your kingdom? Will you make us okay being uncomfortable and saying, ah, I don't wanna do this, but I will because my king, Jesus Christ, is telling me I need to be hospitable. I need to make room for others. God, would we be a people that make room in our hearts, in our budgets, in our car, in our time, by our pools, when we're getting coffee, would we make room for new people that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit, are drawing into the family of God? We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray.